0: Welcome to the show. So today we're going to be talking about a sensitive topic, and so you may just want to be mindful if you have young kids around. This week, both Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, two beloved celebrities, died by suicide. And of course, their deaths are no more important than the 45,000 other people in the United States and 800,000 people worldwide that will die by suicide this year. But their deaths highlight an important issue that we as a community, that we as humanity need to come together around and that is the state of our mental health. This show is all about Our own right to be our happiest, most fulfilled, most alive selves. And here we have way too many people who clearly not only don't feel alive, but feel like they'd be better off. Everyone would be better off without them. And so today's topic, today's show, today's episode on the Purpose Girl podcast is all about how we can come together around this issue of depression, what we need to do for ourselves, what we need to do for our loved ones, whether those are children, whether those are our best friends, our parents, our spouses, and how we can all have the beautiful mental health that we deserve and that we desire. To help me with this topic, I have brought in one of the best therapists that I know, an expert in mental health. Lisa Lapidus is a licensed social worker with two different additional certifications that make her so incredibly qualified, a certification in grief and a certification in positive psychology. And so she can talk about the clinical aspect of depression and talk about how we can support someone in fully thriving. She's worked in both private agencies and school-based settings and, and even in wilderness programs. She completed extensive, extensive studies in grief recovery method. She specializes in helping others work through grief and loss, and she is incredibly talented at helping people get to the heart of who they really are and feel empowered in living her best self. In fact, that's what her whole practice is called, empower. And so, Lisa, I am so delighted to welcome you to the Purpose Girl podcast. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Karen. Glad to be here.
0: So this is obviously such an important topic, and it's something that you see and you deal with every day. But in preparing for the show, I I was blown away. I mean, I have talked about on this show many times how women are twice as depressed as men, how the average age of an onset of major depression is getting younger and younger, how it is now hovering around 14 years old. But the statistics are staggering, staggering to see how many people I mean, something to the effect of 9 million people are having suicide thoughts this year, suicidal ideation this year in the United States. Something is going on here. So let's dive into this, right? So why are we seeing so much depression right now?
1: You know, I believe there are a lot of reasons. I don't think there's any one reason. I think in a lot of ways, um, as connected as we believe we are with social media, um, email, every, every form of communication. We don't connect mm. people the way we used to. I think a lot of people are creating images um, for themselves that are impossible to live up to in their, in their quote, unquote, public social media life. And nice. I think there's also a lot of comparison going on where people see other people's lives, their Facebook life or their Instagram life, and it looks better than their own. So I think a combination that we're not connecting, we're so busy, um, and, you know, we're comparing ourselves to, you know, these advertised lives that everybody hmm. has. They're very difficult. I think also a big, a big difficulty is um, access to mental health care. Hmm. Um, so expensive insurance companies are limiting mental health care more than you know, they separate metal, medical from mental health. And as we know, it's all just our health. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, it's, it's mind, body, spirit. And we know so well from the research how the body and what we eat and whether or not we take care of our bodies and exercise impacts our mind and how much our mind then impacts our body. I mean, it's so connected. So you're bringing up a few points and I wanna dive a little bit deeper into each one. So first is connection. I mean, so yeah, we—you're right. We do have this false sense of connection right now because we're "quote unquote" connected twenty-four hours a day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's not real connection. Exactly. I, I used to think a lot about how, at least this country and and a lot of countries, because we think about city life, we're built on community right it 's like people would sit on their front stoops and as they were coming home from church or from the office, they would connect with their neighbors and there would be like communities built you know around a, you know a few blocks and and now, how all like the new development houses you know the the porches are in the back you know it 's like a backyard and and so people are so disconnected and getting in their cars so i 've read some about this and from a positive psychology perspective, but i 'd love to hear from you how does connection and depression? And, and well-being play together?
1: Well, I think in a lot of ways. I think, you know, when we, first of all, when we get together, we usually give a hug or a kiss mm. or, you know, um, there's some touch. We look each other in the eyes. Um, we all have energy that comes out of us. We receive energy, you know, from each other, the vibrations that come out of us. And, you know, um, a screen is not the same. So, We don't have that face-to-face connection. I also think we're raising a generation of kids who don't really know how to, well, they're adults now, you know, starting, I guess, Generation Xers, their whole connection was, it's been on a screen.
0: Yeah, yeah. The millennials, kind of the younger generation, um, kind of probably where your kids are or, you know, just below us folks in their 20s um, or in their teens, right? It's a totally different, the the best screen we had was Atari, right? When we were growing up, it was a different world.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I think that um, a lot of people aren't as comfortable. You know, so many people Mm -hmm. today almost get annoyed when it's a real-time phone call instead of a text message. Right. Because people want to answer when they have time. So I think that a lot of times we don't make time for connection. And The less we do it, the less comfortable we are.
0: Right. That is right. Because now people then probably have social anxiety and how do we connect? And I don't know the right thing to say. And because they only know the image, how to stay inside of the image. This is so interesting because, um, you know, the research is super clear about this, that the number one leading cause of well-being is close connected relationships and so we also know from from research and I don't have the study in front of me that being isolated that feeling lonely can be as bad for you as cigarette smoking. Exactly. Yeah, so so we are wired as human beings to connect and you know it's amazing if we if we look back to kind of how that happened our early early ancestors in order to survive against like the dinosaurs they had to work together and come together and, and help each other out and raise each other's children. And that's, that's the whole phrase. It takes a village. Right. And so. Right.
1: And it's tribal.
0: Yes. Yes. It's tribal. We, we crave connection. I think actually under for every human being, I think under everything is just this deep desire to belong
1: long. Mm-hmm. And touched, you yes. know, touched. my daughter was born. She was premature. And at that point, They thought that holding a baby burned calories. Um, (gasps) So when she was about a year old and we would fight over who got to hold her because she could only be held once a day for Mm. a very short period of time, a year later, they came up with the kangaroo method. And what they found was skin to skin contact um, caused them to thrive. Wow. Right. And so, you know, just a simple touch, a touch on the hand, a hug for sure, um, you know, it's, it's just so important, and I think it's getting lost. So many people work from home mm-hmm. with their computer. You know, um, you have to make an effort to actually have face-to-face time. But I think also people suffering depression feel, can feel lonely at a family gathering. Mm. Um, and so there's, there's a little bit of a difference between someone who's seriously depressed, I believe, and someone who's feeling lonely and needs some contact. Does that make sense? I mean, I think we all need contact. Um, Yes. It's also important to understand that even those that seem to have it all and have that but are suffering depression in silence um, may not be connecting because of the loneliness they're feeling.
0: Right, right. I, I can think of times in my life when I have shown up to various holiday dinners and if I was feeling depressed, I, I put on, it's like in the car, I said to myself, okay, get it together, put on your mm-hmm. happy face, walk in and, you know, and, and so all I'm doing there is hiding behind this right. mask, right? And, and that was another thing you said, you know, that's causing some of the additional increase because we are seeing depression that's is on the right. rise I mean, this, mm-hmm. this is you know, that, that we're kind of creating personas. Um, I loved it. You actually called it the, like an advertised (laughs) self, right? It's, we all grew up watching, you know, models that were, that were in commercials and now we've created
1: our own commercial. Absolutely. I mean, we're even, you know, there are these apps, we can make our cheekbones higher, our eyes, you know, (sighs) we can airbrush our faces. It's, um, and the thing is, we know that that's not authentic, even what we're putting out there. And in order to have true connection, you have to have that authenticity and that, you know, that transparency, that vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And
0: to have happiness, right? The only way to feel at peace is to be yourself.
1: Right.
0: And we think, I mean, it's, it's an interesting mind trick. I love everything you're bringing up because it's like the fear brain, there's part of us you know, call it ego, call it fear brain, uh, maybe a younger wounded self. Um, and you can even see this in teenagers and and in people our age um, that we think that we'll be safer. We think we'll feel at peace if we can just look like that person, like that Kardashian, or we could just right. wear the clothes. But it, it actually does the opposite effect, right? Because then we're not being authentic. And when you can be yourself, it's like, deep sigh of mm-hmm. relief. Cause then you can
1: be fully supported.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, this weekend was the pride festival here in Philadelphia and I've wanted to go for a long time and I never have. And I've really been coming into my own and l- really looking at what are the kind of disowned parts of myself that I have been hiding because I was afraid if people knew about them, then they wouldn't right. like me or love me. Um, And, you know, one aspect of myself is being bisexual. Um, Another aspect of myself is I love wearing hot leather mama motorcycle clothing. (laughs) And, you know, would my corporate clients want me to wear that? No, I'm not going to wear that on stage. But like, so I haven't been putting that out in the world. And I went, I I decided to put on one of my outfits and go to Pride Festival. And I was so inspired by these people being themselves. And, you know, and it was like. That's where it's at. And if we could help teenagers, if we could help our friends, if we could all take a stand that I'd rather see the real you, sadness, anger, mm. grief, you know, all colors of the rainbow. I'd rather see all of you than see this.
1: Well, and of I think, I think you're exactly right. You know, there's, there's one um, client that I, that comes to mind when he first started coming. He was a senior in high school. He was gay. He lived in a very, very small town in Alabama. Um, he felt like he was ugly, ostracized, you know, um, Mm -hmm. growing up in the Bible belt, he was going to hell because of his sexuality. Um, and through, you know, about a year of therapy, um, I got the most beautiful letter from him that, Hmm. that this process has helped him see the beautiful human being that he is, that he's fallen in love with himself. And now he, oh, he's so beautiful. He lives out loud. He smiles. He's open. And I think that the biggest thing is learning to love and accept yourself, because if you don't feel that way, you don't really believe that others can or will. That's when we hide. Yes. We should hide for everyone. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's and it's a journey for all of us. I mean, first of all, what beautiful work you did with him. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for the work that you're doing.
1: Thank you. Yes. It's, a, it's an honor to be on people's journeys, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's a re- it's it's such an honor, a real honor. You know, I'm thinking of a client of mine who um she was adopted and never felt like she could be herself around her family, not her her mom, not because she was adopted, but just like just the way that, that her mom kind of handled things and never wanted her to explore her her biological roots. And through our work together, she did the 23andMe, and she got her papers, and I mean, it was just like a real. It was like you could see mm-hmm. her become whole. Yeah. Right, and then start to explore these. Parts and that's of such herself. an
1: interesting yeah. concept too, because I think a lot of kids that are adopted hear the story: "We chose you. We wanted you so badly. We weren't happy until we could get you." And sometimes that can even put a responsibility that I don't want to be sad or upsetting in any way to my parents because I'm what brought them joy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of times also, you know, adopted or not, we feel like our job is to bring others joy. And I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't want to, I don't want to inflict my pain on someone. Right.
0: Um, Right. Thank you for bringing this up. Right. Because, you know, most of my listeners are women. And, and I, so I don't know if this is different between men and women. Um, I, pro, I imagine that it, it, it's true for both. I just hear from a lot of women, and I know for myself, we've been told, turn that frown upside down. You know, put on your smile of face. You're not pretty exactly. when you don't smile.
1: Exactly. Or go get yourself together. Come back when you're, when you've gotten together, right? Yes.
0: Yes, it's like, oh, no, I
1: right. want to let I it out. I am together you know, and so- I'm also sad.
0: Mm. Oh, my God, I want to pause right there. That is so beautiful. Can you say I that again, I am together
1: Lisa? and I'm also sad.
0: Wow. Wow. My whole body yeah. shifted when you said that. I
1: think okay. that's so true in so many ways. It's not that everything has to be wrong for something to be wrong. And it doesn't have to be that anything is wrong to suffer depression. And I think that's the big misconception. You know, a lot of people say if you would just and you can fill in the blank, if you would just exercise, if you would just sleep, if you would just stop seeing that person who, you know, makes you feel sad, you won't be depressed anymore. And. You know, I think that there are a lot of things that we can do to treat depression and to battle depression. A lot of people have to battle that every day. It's not that it goes away necessarily. It's that you learn how to live with it, learn how to cope with it, learn how to feel better each day.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So this is thank you for bringing this up. This is so um, this is so important, Lisa. I'm so appreciative and, and so in awe of you and your work. It doesn't go away. It's something that we live with. So I would love to learn from you. Is it, is it nature? Is it nurture? Is it situational? Like you said, that you're in the wrong relationship or you're in a job that doesn't serve you. Um, because I know for a long time, I thought if I right. just X then I'll be happy, right? If if I just leave this marriage, my first marriage, I'll be happy. And then it was, no, if I could just move to New York or to Chicago, to mm. a big city, I'll be happy. And then it was, if I could just do this other career, I'll be happy. And a lot of it got down to me being the self-love aspect. And, like, and there is something. I am happier in a city. That is 100% true. And I am happier in this career and its deep fulfillment and purpose. That mm-hmm. is 100% true. And... What I really needed was to totally accept and love myself. And so so tell us a little bit about the nature, nurture situation. You know, I think,
1: I think all of the above, to be honest with you. I think that obviously there is mental illness, there is severe depression, there is bipolar disorder. There are things that are very chemical that affect us um, or that affect a large part of the population. Um, And then I think there are also situational factors, you know, um, losing a job, losing a relationship, a death in the family, um, you know, that can leave us depressed. I guess the clinical definition of depression um, has durations and severity. So, you know, if you've been, you know, um, severely depressed for two weeks straight with no, you know, no relief, if you've lost interest in all of your you know, the things that used to motivate you and used to, that you used to enjoy and you don't have interest, it's hard to get out. You're obviously clinically depressed. Um, and I would call that more nature. You know, you can have lots of people nurturing you and still feel that underwater, lethargic, depressed state of mind. Mm.
0: So real quick on nature, is it biological
1: like are we, is I believe there are many that people way? that are predisposed to depression um, organically. Um, and I also believe there are a lot of people that are not predisposed organically and also um, have had zero training in how to be happy. Um, so I think, that, I think mm. so many variables play in that It's really looking at the symptoms and saying, how do I treat this more than why is this happening? I I do believe, Mm. you know, psychiatry, therapy are very important aspects. You know, when you've been dealing with depression, you know, for a longer duration, and it's not going away with anything you try, absolutely seek medical attention because medication can help. I believe, though, that medication alone may numb the symptoms or, you know, take the edge off the symptoms, but learning how to live with depression or learning how to live in spite of depression is very, very important. And that's cognitive and that's behavioral. That's where positive psychology comes in. That's where learning how to really grieve comes in. I think so many people with the grief program, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, I'm not really grieving because I mean, I'm, I haven't had a death or I haven't had a divorce. And those are like the two big grief issues, but moving is a grief issue. The end of a relationship, the end of a friendship, the loss of a pet, feeling um, not good enough. A lot of these things are grief issues. And the only way to get through grief is to grieve. Um, and we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to be there for others when they're grieving. And honestly, we don't know how to go through the motions of grief. So. I think that nurture nurture all of it. You know, there are just so many variables in everything.
0: Yeah, there, there really are. And, and a couple of things you said that I just want to highlight is this expansive definition of grief that makes so much sense to me, that really almost every day there is birth and death and rebirth. And I don't mean of actual life but in this moment there are probably friendships or relationships that are dying off or maybe you've been i've been participating in a women's program for the last 3 months and that is ending in just a week and a half and so there's grief there right I, i'm sad about it there's grief it's a loss and some and then i will birth something new right and from that i've learned so much that it's birthing new parts of me and so so learning how to be in that cycle and how to mm. work with grief and how to how to work with um, work with depression is so important. It, are they tools? Is it breathing? Is it mindfulness? You uh, said yeah, cognitive there are a lot behavior? of things. You
1: know, with the grief recovery method, um, it's probably my favorite um, tool when it comes to grief because you don't just look at. A lot of times, people don't get to therapy or don't come to counseling or coaching until there's a crisis, right? And so they might come in with one event. You know, my mother died, and that's what I'm here to grieve. Um, Well, it might have been a complicated relationship. It might have been an estranged relationship. Um, It might be that we look at all of the grief events. We don't just look at the one big thing that got you there because we actually do a timeline from your dawn of conscious memory to the present day and look at all of the major grief issues that you've suffered, we actually graph them. How deep was that pain? A lot of times one grief Mm. issue creates another, you know, um, I got my heart broken when I was 17. So I put some defenses up and married with my head. You know what I'm saying? So then that Mm -hmm. marriage might've failed. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, so it's, there are a lot of things that you have to look at at, did you stuff a lot of pain down? Do you know how to talk about it? Do you know what misinformation you installed in that hard drive of a brain of yours surrounding that heartbreak? Was it, you know, I'm not good enough? I'm not thin enough. That's why that person left me or that's why this group of friends ousted me. You know, I think a lot of times feeling left out, another beautiful social media result, I'm saying that a little sarcastically, You see what everybody else (laughs) is doing. It's like, oh, why wasn't I invited to that? Or
0: right, right. Why wasn't I tagged? Or what? You know, there's so
1: many things Mm. that go in to grief, into understanding what we're feeling. We don't even take the time a lot of times to check in with how we're feeling because we're so busy. We're robotically going from thing to thing.
0: Right we are we're so busy going from thing to thing there is literally no time for you know so many people i was working with a client yesterday who's the mother of three with a traveling partner and she's starting her own business which requires her to go back to school and there's and she volunteers for like six organizations there's literally no time Mm -hmm. and are we busying ourselves
1: well that's the thing we're in between busyness we're looking at our phone in the parking lot to see if we missed anything
0: (sighs) Right, right. And in some of that, I know for myself and for clients, some of that is avoiding. Mm -hmm. We don't want to feel that pain. We don't want to feel that grief. We don't want to feel that sense of of depression. But if we don't actually feel it, we can't move through it.
1: Well, and also I think we look for that false sense of connectedness again. Mm -hmm. And instead of thinking, how do I feel right Mm -hmm. now? Why am I checking this stuff so much? Maybe I need some real connection. Mm. Maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to break bread with someone and not even have the phone on the table.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. This is so important for everyone. And, and I'm thinking of for women because we know that women are twice uh, as depressed as men. And though men have a four times higher suicide rate, mm-hmm. women attempt suicide three times as many as often as men. So right. men are more successful at it, um, but women, there's there's more attempt and there's, there's more depression. And so I'm not saying it's worse on one side or the other because it's just different. Um, and for women, one of the things that we know about why women are depressed, there's a number of reasons that I've read. Um, but one of them is as we get into you know, thirties, forties, fifties, that sandwich of taking care of everyone out having these like high, high busy jobs and, or kids and aging parents who need our care, you know, it's, it's too much. And then we lose that social connection. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I read that about why, especially middle-aged women are, um, kind of the highest rate of depression among women. and, And part of it is that lack of connection.
1: I think there's so many things. I think it's a lack of true connection because we're so busy nurturing other people.
0: Mm, I, mm-hmm. was,
1: so I have to wonder, because I think we do raise our boys um, that they're a sissy if they talk about being sad. Oh. How much is unreported, to be honest. But um, I think that so we're all walking around with elements of depression, some more than others.
0: Yes. And thank you for bringing that up about boys, too. Yeah, It's so important.
1: It, it really is, because I think that um it's not until a lot of times a boy or a man is so severely impaired that they'll seek help. Um, I think women are more likely to at least connect with each other mm. and talk about it. Though a lot of times we are taught also, like society norms for both sexes, you know, we're taught that we're there to nurture others or we feel that we're here to nurture others. I have the easiest time nurturing, allowing someone to nurture me is very difficult mm. uh, because it feels like you're taking or you're, you know, burdening or being silly. Um, yes. And I think that, you know, um, there was just a, a documentary released by Kevin Hines um he, had, he, had, he actually jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, um, and he survived his suicide attempt. Whoa. Um, and he's coming out with a documentary called The Ripple Effect. Hmm. And I can't wait to see it. I've only seen trailers. I don't think the official release has come out. Um, but men and women, I believe. like He he talks about how he was pacing back and forth on the Golden Gate bridge at 18 years old before he left to go you know he wrote a note he went into where his dad was sleeping you know his dad said I love you but I don't have to be at work till nine so go back to sleep Hmm. Uh, cried on the floor rocked himself said well I just want to tell you I love you so he felt connected to his dad something in his brain said tell your dad he loves you the most he'll be there for you he'll help you But that other voice in his head, and this is where sometimes the mental illness takes it to another level, said, no, you have to die if you tell him he's going to stop you. Um, Mm. He gets to the Golden Gate Bridge and he's thinking to himself, if someone stops me, then I wasn't meant to do this. If someone Mm. speaks, that means they care. And so and he's crying, like visibly upset. And he says that a woman comes up and he thinks, oh, here she is. And um, hands him her phone and asks her to take a picture. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, you know, at first he was like really upset by that. Later he said it probably saved his life because the person who saw him hit the water saw him at that moment. But I think he was hoping to be talked out of it. But he also Mm. had this voice in his head telling him to do it, telling him that nobody needed him in their lives. They were better off without him. And that's another thing, I think, to focus on with women, especially women, because we don't want to be selfish, God knows, right? Mm, mm -mm. Um, And so we don't want to be a burden to anyone. And so many people will say suicide is such a selfish act. And I Mm. think that's just a very uneducated person, Mm. because I don't think that that they're not cognizant of the people that love them, and that they're not worried about how it'll affect them it's that they honestly believe that people will be better off without them yeah because their self-worth has plummeted to such a low their motivation to live you know maybe they've been depressed for a long time and lots of people have tried to help them many times and they don't want to ask for help anymore yes. or they don't, you know and so I think it gets even so much more desperate and I think the thing that has to happen is we all have to be able to talk about it. We have to be able to say to someone that we know who's depressed, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Tell me the truth. I want to know. Because Mm. that's a taboo thing to say, right? Um, We're afraid to say, kill yourself. Are you planning to kill yourself? You know, we don't want to say the word die. We say someone passed away. Mm. And I think that We've got to get honest about it. We've got to be able to ask and we've got to be able to tell. We've got to be specific.
0: Wow. Yes. Yes. This this is um like I said, so important. I wanna just highlight this. We have to be able to ask the hard question. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about death? And you're right. I am thinking, <laughs> oh, I say pass away, you know, and, and you're right. Let's let's be clear.
1: If someone died, they died. Let's talk about it. It hurts. They're gone. Yes. Yes.
0: I mean, I could talk to you for hours and hours, and and I would love to have you back on the Purpose Girl podcast, and we'll talk about so many different topics. And I know you and I are talking about a retreat for next year, and you are going to be assisting me on the upcoming Gifts of the Goddess retreat in in Greece, and it's going to be so powerful. so excited Um, about it. So excited coming up at the end of September, twenty eighteen. Just in our final couple moments here, if how do you know? Let's talk about children. So those of you who out out there, you have children or nieces or nephews or your teacher. How do you know if a child is depressed? When do you intervene?
1: What do you do? I mean, I think you look for the signs when they've lost interest, when they're not connecting, when they're not not even interested in the things that they've always been interested in. You talk to them. Are you feeling sad? Um, there's a fantastic book as far as children go, how to talk so kids will listen, and how to listen so kids will talk. Um, and it teaches you to, to to form open-ended questions and to mm. allow that pregnant pause or that silence for them to speak. Like, kid comes home from school, everybody hates me. Well, most of our reaction is, nobody hates you, you're great. Or, hmm. did you do something that made your friends mad? Right? Instead of, wow... Do you feel like nobody likes you? Tell me mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So just being there, listening, meeting them where they are and tell me more. Tell me more is such a powerful statement, such a powerful question. It's a question, you know, it, it opens right. up space.
1: Well, and, you know, it's funny. Um, Ted Klantz, one of my um, teachers, said, you know, making a demand when you want more information is actually more effective than asking why. Mm. why why do you feel that way can feel defensive tell me more mm. about how you're feeling can feel more inviting um and so there's skills that we can learn to draw people out and have them tell us more and yeah. what must be you must really be sad let them own that mm-hmm. and then what you, think you should do but allowing you know it takes people to really think after you've invited them to tell So allowing that silence, not filling it, gives them that space. It might take a minute. It might be awkward. Um, And I think that's not just for kids, though. I think that's for all of us.
0: Yeah, and allowing the silence. We've become a culture that's, you know, a fast food culture that's so uncomfortable with silence and letting there be the pause. Often, we need the pause to feel into what that answer is and what the truth is. And in a pause, give someone that space. I love that. And when should someone actually call a doctor? So whether it's someone who's listening out there for themselves or for a child or a friend, um, when do we seek medical attention?
1: I think as soon as um, as soon as you realize you're depressed and it's not getting mm-hmm. better, and you've tried what you've tried, call right away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that. Every time you go to a doctor, or you go to a therapist, it's that they're going to put you on medication. And so many people can be afraid of medication. But, you know, try some cognitive behavioral therapy first, as long as, mm-hmm. you know, if you're already feeling suicidal, or suicidal ideations, if you've thought of a plan, if it's something specific, um, if it's a lethal plan, if you have that part of the plan available anytime, right? Um you know, they call it SLAP, it's do they have a specific plan? Is it lethal? Is it available? And is there any proximity of help where someone might intervene? Mm. And that's kind of like an assessment. But if there's suicidal ideations going on, first of all, I don't think you should wait for suicidal ideations. You know, we go to the doctor yearly for our eyes, Mm. our teeth, physical, and we check the state of our health physically, right? We never go to a mental health yearly exam. Right. Don't ask us at our physical. Have you been depressed? Are you feeling anxious? Have you ever had a suicidal ideation? Why isn't that in the paperwork? Why isn't that asked when they're taking your blood pressure? When they're yes, heart rate. You know, I think I think waiting till a crisis uh, makes it that much more difficult for you and your um, and your helper to. Intervene? Why not prevention? Why not learn learn how to talk? Yes.
0: Oh my gosh, I love this so much, and it's it's a huge part of you know. So so an annual mental health checkup, and it's it's part of why I love positive psychology and coaching. I love all of it. I mean, I'm so I can't do what you do. It's it's incredible. But we don't have to just seek support when we're at you know the bottom of the barrel, negative eight in life. Seek it to say, you know what I'm. I feel okay, but something's off. Seek support then—a therapist, a coach, um, a group, something that you can then say, okay, before I get to negative five, I-
1: or even if nothing's wrong, maybe I should just yeah. check in and see yeah. what the state of my mood is, see what the state of my yeah. health is. Maybe I'm mentally healthy, but maybe I could be even mentally healthier.
0: Right. Maybe I could really thrive, Mm -hmm. right? I think most of us are just kind of bubbling along. And the beauty is even if you're not clinically depressed or severely depressed or depressed at all, you know, the question is, what would it look like if you lived at a plus eight, if you were really thriving? And that's where positive
1: psychology is so amazing because it's the science of thriving, not simply surviving, right? Yes.
0: And we need, we need both. Right. We, we need, we need both. So, so Lisa, I'm sure people listening to this are going to say, you know, is she available to help me or help my child? I know you're in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you work with people everywhere? Can people work with you on phone yes, and, I can do and phone Skype?
1: sessions? I can do Skype sessions. Absolutely.
0: Excellent. So in order to be in touch with you, uh, your website, how do people get in touch with you? Okay.
1: Well, they can call, um, empower behavioral health, in Huntsville, Alabama. It's 256 519 Or they can contact us through email through our website at info at empowerhsv.com. Um, and again, our, our website is empowerbehavioralhealth.com.
0: Great. Great. We will put all of that in the show notes. We'll also put the book that you recommended in the show notes. I appreciate you so much. Um, you're such a beautiful soul and so have so much wisdom to share. You know, I I love when I have guests on to ask them just a a quick couple of of fun questions. Even though this is not a fun topic, I still would love to hear um, your thought on this. So very quickly, what do you think is one thing everyone should do at least once in their lifetime?
1: Ooh, everyone should do at least once in their lifetime. I would say fall in love. Hmm.
0: I love that. So even with the heartbreak, even with all that,
1: it the falling like in love, by is... a parent, if you've been whatever, fall in love with someone. It doesn't have to always be mm. romantic love, or try to fall in love every day. <laughs> but at least,
0: yeah. Oh, that is so, so, so good. And with that, thank you so, so, so much, Lisa. You have been so informative. You have been so helpful. I know for me, I mean, my soul feels so full and. Um, For all the listeners out there, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all that you're doing in mental health and for teaching us what to do with mental health. And everyone out there, remember that if you or someone you love is suffering, please get the support, get the love, get the help that you all need. Ask the hard questions. And um, if you liked this podcast, please, please, please rate it, review it, download it, subscribe it. Please share this with friends, with family. This is such an important topic. We need to spread the word. So if you have book clubs, share the podcast. If you have groups of other parents at the school, share it. Share it with the school. Let's get this message out, and let's get Lisa's wisdom so that we can all take care of our children, take care of our friends, our parents, ourselves. So please share this widely. And with that, most importantly, please take care of yourself. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself. And may you love life. Bye for now.